Thanks, Emma. Morning, everyone. All right. Uh, we're still in Matthew 5, so you can uh, get your Bibles out or turn them on. If you look in Matthew 5, these are supposed to be short messages because it's the holidays, so I'm going to try hard to do that. Um, uh, I've got to be careful I don't overpromise. We've had a weekend of overpromise um, and underdeliver because uh, it's been our wedding anniversary, and Dominic and I went away on an overnighter. We saw Hamilton, which is a fantastic musical. And, um, and we congratulated each other on 28 years of wonderful marriage and we talked about why we've got the best marriage in the world and we have and, and, uh, and look forward to many years to come and happy 28, happy 28 and we posted, this is our 28th wedding anniversary and then we were with friends last night and they said, isn't it 27? And we went... <laughs> yeah. So now, now I've got to live another whole year to make up for all the things that I've just... There we go. All right. This is Jesus. You have heard the law. This is what we did last week. You have heard the law that says the punishment must match the, inju the injury. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. If you're sued in court and your shirt's taken away from you, give your coat too. If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles, give to those who ask, don't turn away from those who want to borrow. You've heard that the law says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you, and that way you'll be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. Uh, for he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you're only kind to your friends, how are you different to anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. So this is the text that we're looking at through these uh, three weeks of school holidays. Um, I said last week, actions speak louder than words. Reactions speak louder than either. Actions speak louder than words, but reactions speak louder than either. And we saw that Jesus wants us to master the art of the over-underreaction. I don't know if you remember that. That unexpected, counterintuitive, remarkable reaction when we experience disappointment, mistreatment, unmet expectations, criticism, betrayal, loss or rejection where the world would expect us to react in this way, but instead we react in the opposite direction, so far in the opposite direction, that it's an over-underreaction. Not just an underreaction, an over-underreaction, if that makes sense. So that when we would expect to be angry at something, then forgiveness flows quickly. When people would be wanting to just take things off us and we would expect to retract and pull back, we would instead flow with generosity that exceeds their expectations because that's what our father does in his treatment of us and this world and he wants people to see him through me and through you not just in our nice plans but in the way we react when things don't go our way so how did you go this week i offered you the uh um, well, the request 
when you over underreact this week, email in and, and tell me how it went. And nobody did. So either you're all shy and you don't want to brag, or, or nobody's listening. I suspect it's somewhere in the middle. Um, seriously, these, um, these uh, experiences that we have, maybe it's better in an Australian culture to do it this way. When somebody over underreacts to you, when you anticipated to receive a poor reaction from someone, but instead they, they didn't, um, maybe you can tell me about that. It's things, it's things like we had a few weeks ago, I think I've told you this, where we had arranged for a team to get together um, in one of our ministry areas and somebody got left out. They just didn't get told. And it was like we got, it was a big deal because the whole team was getting together and this one person, for no other reason than just a, an oversight, just didn't get the memo. And, um, and it was a panic the night before. Oh dear, you know, this top person's been completely excluded and then... Um, contact that person and the person says, oh, it's fine because somebody rang me and asked me for a lift. So I figured, <laughs> so I figured I'd just been overlooked in it um, and I'm really looking forward to it. So I'm in already. That, that over-under reaction. If you experience it, let me know because um, we would love to, to pass that on. You know, when you just go, oh, that's different. That's, that's a little bit of our Father in heaven in that reaction. This week, we're doing this. So last week, our reactions reveal what our Father is like. This week, our reactions reveal just how much confidence we have in God. Our reactions reveal just how much confidence we have in God. How I react and how you react is diagnostic of how much confidence we have in God. Because as we said last week, we all know how to behave. We can be nice. We can plan nice. And if we get enough warning and enough sleep and enough support, we can, we can do nice. Um, but we know a lot more about what's going on inside by the way we, re- we react to the things that don't go our way. Incidentally, this is why people who oppose Christianity often have so much ammunition for their, op- for their argument that way because too many of us react to things that don't go our way as if God is not in control. And He is. Um, Our reactions reveal the level of our confidence in God. And when we react like everyone else to things that don't go our way, then people outside faith can point and go, I knew it, you plan nice and you do nice and that's your nice club, but as soon as you're poked, you're just like everybody else. And there's no difference at all. Your faith is window dressing and, um, you know, you have your club, but inside we're all the same. And our Father in Heaven's going, no, no, we're not the same. Because there's a fundamental shift in the desire of people who follow Jesus. There's a transformation that happens at a heart level that isn't just in the diary, it's in, the, in what you want. There's a move that happens inside somebody's heart who follows Jesus that's going to shift the, the, the thing they want so much that when they're poked, out comes this kind of over-underreaction because that's what comes from God when our hearts are moved that way. So when somebody 
So when somebody wrongs us and we forgive them like that, they go, oh, that's different. Not, oh, you're just like me. Like Jesus said, if you react like everyone else, how will anyone experience their Father in heaven? Because if you're like me, and I think you probably are, I overreact when I feel like things are spinning out of control. Or more specifically, I overreact when I feel like things are spinning out of my control. Um, and I need to insert some personality nuance into this too, um, because I don't know what's like in your relationships that you're in, but um, people talk about hedgehogs and rhinos, right? So that is, when you're confronted with something that's out of your control, some people put their head down and charge, and other people withdraw and put the hackles out. Right? I'm more of a hedgehog than a rhino. Um, Dominique can tell you what she is later. <laughs> Um, so we're not talking about because some personalities look like they're reacting a lot more calmly right I'm not talking about how you look in the initial reaction phase I'm talking about what you do when things are out of control when things are out of my control because I can be calm even when things are coming at me I can be calm because I still feel like I can control that scenario but it's when things are out of control that's what we're challenged with here. When events are spinning outside of my control. Here's a question that we can ask ourselves. What do my reactions reveal about my confidence in God? What do my reactions reveal about my confidence in God as a spouse, as a partner, as a parent, a sibling, a child, a friend, a boss, even as a citizen? as an online participant in traffic or whatever. What do my reactions reveal about my confidence in God? And what difference would it make if I believed 100% all the time that God is invested in every detail of my life, as he's promised to be, and that he's committed to working out everything ultimately, everything, for my good? You know? We know that God works all things together for the good of those who love him and accord according to his purpose. That there's no power in heaven or on earth that can rob me of my life with him and that my eternity is secure. And even though life is hard, I'm safe in God's hands forever. Not because of anything that might come at me out here, but because he loves me. And he's going to hold me forever. What if I actually believe that 100% of the time and I believe that 100% what difference would it make to the way that I reacted to times when things were spinning out of my control now in case you're thinking this is a fairy tale Danny because that's not this you know, this idea that no matter what came at me, I would just love. In the moment, I would just, I would over-underreact. No matter how injured you made me, I would just love you and forgive you, you know. No matter how much you took from me, I'd be happy and I'd just give you twice as much as you started with. Like, that's not real. That doesn't actually work. Right? If, in case you're thinking that, you're in great company. 
Here's a question for you. Can you think of one time the disciples, that is the followers of Jesus, one time in all of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the, the, the story of their, their several years of following Jesus around everywhere, one occasion where they actually did this, where they over-underreacted, where they responded to insult or injury with this kind of um, response that Jesus is talking about in Matthew 5. I can't, I can't think of any. I, I remember Peter, you know, chopping the guy's ear off. Um, and here's one of my favourite ones. In fact, Luke, he's a historian, he recorded all this um, stuff. I reckon that when Luke's putting this together, the disciples might have been like, do you have to put that one <laughs> Do you have to put that one in? Luke. As the time, this is Luke 9. As the time drew near for him to ascend to heaven. So this is the end of his ministry. Okay? Jesus had been saying, in his words, over, underreact, over, underreact, over, underreact. This is the kingdom. Right? Someone insults you, you turn the other cheek. Someone says, you know, go one mile, you go two. Like, forgive as you've been forgiven. Freely you've been forgiven, you know, like you freely um, forgive, over, underreact. This is like he's been pummeling these guys for a few years now and he's coming to the end of his time, about to ascend into heaven. Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He knows he's going there to die. He sent messages ahead to a Samaritan village to prepare for his arrival. Um, so they have to go through Samaria to get to Jerusalem. Samaria, they don't like the Jews. They don't like the... because. The Samaritans worship somewhere else in their local space. Anyone who's going to Jerusalem to worship is culturally not just not of them, but opposed to them. They don't like them. There's a lot of, there's really a lot of racial tension. However, in, the, in that world, to refuse hospitality to someone is a big deal. Culture is, culture is determined by, you think of something that someone could do in Australia that would just break culture so much. Someone's in, someone is in need, you know, and everybody goes, I don't care. Like there's a disaster somewhere and people go, that's not my area, I don't care. That would be like, you know, if you if you three houses burn down next door and you're in the neighbourhood and you don't come out and help or or you won't contribute to that, like, I don't know. What, what is it that's about Australian culture? We just go, what? How could anyone, you know, that's what was happening here. These Samaritans go, you can't stay here. It is, it is a slap in the face. It is just an offensive, you know, like, and Jesus is, you know, he's got a big following now. He's a big deal. And his disciples are kind of strutting around beside him. And they're going, we just need somewhere to stay with our entourage. We're on our way to Jerusalem. This is the prophet who heals all these people, who has this great message and his teaching, who casts out demons. This is Jesus, right? And they go, not in our place like that. The people of the village did not welcome Jesus because he was on his way to Jerusalem. When James and John saw this, and James and John, now, this is John, right? John, who, who famously penned those words later, the first time it's introduced to us in Scripture, God is love. God is love. This is John who said, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, so that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. This is the disciple who is defined by this, in his writings later, by this, just live this life of love. Like Jesus showed us and taught us. This is John. 
Okay, when James and John saw this, they said to Jesus, Lord, should we call down fire from heaven to burn them up? <laughs> like Jesus must be thinking, I am the worst teacher in the world. At this point. Jesus turned and rebuked them. That word is the word that they, um, Luke uses for when Jesus rebukes demons. Like, no! Jesus turned and rebuked them. So, they went to another village. These disciples, they didn't get this until after the resurrection. So, if you're thinking, this is not real, this is not possible... This is, this is not actual. What are you talking about, Jesus? Um, have some comfort that these guys that were hanging around him for a long time, they didn't get it either. But when they did, when they did, it changed the world. Not because they had wise things to say, but because what they wanted changed. Because who they were inside themselves changed because they believed with all of their heart that love wins. That they knew that it's not about what you do to me. I'm not in reference to you. I'm in reference to my Father in heaven and He loves, He loves, He loves. And you can't shift that. You can't change that. I just want you to know Him. I want you to love like He loves and like I'm learning to love. They got it and they changed the world. They got it because they watched Jesus do it. You know, in his trial and his accusation and all that slander and the false testimony that was coming at him and the flogging and he's before uh, Pilate. Remember when he's before Pilate? Uh, Pilate says to him, why don't you talk to me? Pilate demanded, don't you realize that I have the power to release you or crucify you? Don't you realize who you're talking? Don't you realize who's in control of this situation? Like your life hangs on a thread, mate, and I have the power. So open up. Tell me what's going on. Why won't you respond to what I need from you in this um, situation here? Jesus (laughs) said, you would have no power over me at all unless it were given to you from above. Jesus is literally bleeding out at this point. And he knows what's coming. And this official, this Roman governor official, is like, talk to me, I could kill you or not. And Jesus is this kind of like, no, you can't. The only power you have is what God gives you. And at this point, Pilate goes, oh, oh. And then he tries really hard to release Jesus, the scripture says. But he couldn't. Because of the demand of the Jewish people. It turns out Pilate didn't have anywhere near as much power as he thought he had. Because who's in control? Not Pilate. And Jesus on the cross. Father, forgive them. Like, talk about an over-under reaction. Here's Peter years later. 
the Apostle Peter. For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He's your example, and you must follow in his steps. You must follow in his steps. It's not like this is for super Christians. It's not like here's the advanced class. It's like Jesus back in Matthew 5 saying, do this. You've heard this, but I tell you, do this. What, just the special Christians? No, everyone who wants to follow Jesus, do this. Um, You must follow in his steps. He did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threatened revenge when he suffered. He left his case where? He left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. Spin this, I did this for myself here. I will not retaliate when I'm insulted or threaten revenge when I suffer. I will leave my case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. I will over-underreact, not because I'm good, but because my Father in Heaven loves me like that. Uh, Corrie ten Boom, we heard this, at, we're doing the Alpha course at the moment, and heard this story again. Corrie ten Boom, she's in the, um, she was German, but she hid, she hid Jews, and anyway, she, her and her sister, and she got found out, and so she was in a concentration camp uh, with the Nazis, and they were very cruel space, they were... They were treated very poorly, and she watched her one of her parents and her sister, who was her dearest friend, die under the hands of the guards there. And she's speaking on forgiveness later, anyway. So she's in this other German church at later, and she's talking about forgiveness, um, having come through that time. And someone walks up to her afterwards, and she recognizes him. He's the guard. He's one of the prison guards who oversaw the death of her parent and her sister. And she remembers the shameful way that they were treated in that space at his hands. And so he comes up to her and he just says, I'm a Christian, I've received the forgiveness of God and I've just, I want to be able to ask one of the very victims of my, you know, activity, you know, will you forgive me? And she says, I could not But then I experienced the love of God in that moment, pouring through me. And uh, I held out my hand and I called him brother. Now she finishes with this. Um, can you forgive? I can't, but he can. But this is not us just being wiser. This is not us just learning something new. This is us trusting our Father in heaven, who loves so much and wants us to know this love to live in this love and to show the world what he's like 
in this love as we over underreact, as we live ourselves in God's hands. As we follow Jesus, um, yeah. I love that that um, uh, that view, if you like, of Jesus, humanly speaking, lost, having lost all of his power, um, but just still standing there, resolute, or kneeling there, or whatever, and just calmly saying to human authority, I'll just trust God. I will not react the way you want me to. I will just, I will entrust myself into God's hands. I will respond to your slander with silence, your scorn with patience, your violence with forgiveness. I will over underreact, over underreact, because neither of us are in control here. I trust my father. And I want to as well. I want my reactions to reveal my confidence in God. Just as an aside here, when we react as if God is not in control, we either take power into ourselves, which is really unhelpful for us, or we give the very person who's injuring us power over us. And they're the last people that you want to have power over you. So if someone takes something from me or puts me down, um, I remember they're not in control. When someone threatens my freedom, comes at me with a big legal stick to intimidate me and take away my rights, I remember they're not in control. When I'm overtly dismissed or disrespected or overlooked or mocked, I remember they are not in control. And I don't want to live in a world where, where I answer to them or for them. <laughs> you know, I just want to trust myself to God, who always judges fairly, and I want my reactions to reveal my confidence in God. And I want that for you too. Let's pray. Father, it's hard because uh, it takes humility for us in the moment to surrender what we think we need or what we want. Um, it's it's countercultural, it's counterintuitive, it, it feels like we're letting someone off the hook or whatever. It's hard. It's hard to trust you when things are spinning out of our control. Um, but God, for the sake of our own souls and for the people around us, um, move us and help us. You know, we're... we're Wherever we are on this journey, God, just take us a step towards you where we trust you a little more, um, where we can respond in a way that brings life and healing to us and to others. In Jesus' name.